0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Future of Internal Communication podcast. I think today we're on Series 4, Episode 4, and today I am delighted to welcome our special guest, Lindsay Alton-Bogard, who's come to talk to us about why alignment matters. Now, I'm joined today, as always, by my co-hosts, Jen Sproul and Dominic Waters, And Lindsay is here dialing in from the Netherlands, actually, and she's the founder and managing director of alignment diagnostic tool, Mirror Mirror. Lindsay started her career as an entrepreneur running small businesses in the UK and Australia. From the SME sector, she transitioned to leading employee communications in the energy, IT and telecom sectors out of the Netherlands. Her experience in the contrast between these micro and macro working environments have led her to lead the development of Mirror Mirror, which she founded in 2016, providing a data-driven approach to alignments. Now, the big question, the kickoff question. Welcome, Lindsay. How Thank are you? you, Catherine. Yeah, good. Um, so I guess the big question that everybody will be pondering is, what is alignment? So what I'd like to know is what it is, but also actually just bearing in mind your background with the with the um, different experiences of working within the SME sector and then within the large corporate sector, um, which I which I know from my own experience are quite different in approach. Why did you why did you become so interested in the topic of alignment? So what is it? Why is it important?
1: Yeah thank you. Um I'm really pleased that you started off with the question what is alignment because it's it's a fairly common word we've all heard it before but it's got lots of different people understanding it in different ways. And I think the easiest way to explain the definition that I've got of alignment is to look at there being basically kind of three levels to this whole picture. The first level is something that's been articulated quite a lot by a guy called Don Jonathan Trevor which is about when Organisations are aligned in their parts. So, for example, the purpose, the strategy, the capabilities, um, the the values—all of these things in an organisation need to be aligned um, if it's going to operate optimally. Now, that's not the kind of alignment that I'm talking about here. Although we would lean on that being in place, the alignment that I'm talking about is the next three levels, which is about how humans, how people relate to that. And how people relate to each other in sharing meaning to implement the strategy. So, and the reason why I'm choosing to take a, a people aligned approach is really from the influence of, um, uh, dialogue and the, the research about dialogue being all about how people develop shared meaning between each other and that shared meaning between people through dialogue is the basis of what we I could call human alignment or people alignment, but for the sake of this, let's just call it alignment. Um, so alignment is about how people understand their context and their strategy and how they interact to to understand each other going forward to implement that. So it's really a move away from seeing individual people as isolated individuals and towards seeing people as collective units who influence each other, who learn from each other, who hopefully um, collaborate well together. So that's the fir- That's the answer to the first part of your question, kind of what is alignment, if you like. Um, there's more that I can un- unpack about that because there's a lot about alignment not being about people thinking the same thing. Alignment isn't about everybody agreeing with each other. Um, alignment, if you like, is about the way that people Um, are working towards a shared consensus Um, so Mm. they have coherent views and they can have different perspectives of course we all need um, to bring in diversity if you like by accommodating different perspectives and how people see things but it's about the process of including different perspectives and and agreeing on a course of action together that is the people the core of people alignment Mm. um so so th- there is more about that but why did i kind of come to this uh, mm-hmm. is is a is a second piece um I, when i came into internal comms in about 2000 the year 2000 mm. um there was still a lot of emphasis on personality testing um on <clears throat> on people being um, given a message about what the, what the strategy was. And people, it was assumed that people would be given a message um, and would take that on. And when I went into, into employee comms, there was really no emphasis at all on socialising what that means to people in the unique context of their teams so that they can use that message. Um, and as a because I went into business, if you're a large business in, in multinational environments, with a communications hat on, Um, I felt it was my responsibility to understand the message and be clear about what I was communicating. And I found it so difficult to communicate to different people what the strategy would differently mean to them. And I found it so difficult to be communicating on a one-way channel-based basis when dialogue is not one-way and it's not channel-based. So I really felt that the clarity that I'd had before working in smaller organizations, where people do have to talk a lot about, even if they're in teams of ten, about what are we going to do, who's going to do it, what then happened when we did it, and how will we change what we're doing as a result, and going through that whole cycle, that takes a lot of investment time when you're in a small team. So going, being plunged into this, into a team of effectively hundred thousand people when I went to the Netherlands was. Totally bemusing because of course it's chaos. Um there's a lot of people walking around looking very confident, kind of as if they know exactly what the strategy is and what they need to be doing. And I found myself imagining, wouldn't it be brilliant if I just understood, well, what do they think in comparison with what do they think? So that I knew what to tell people differently or how to communicate with people differently, but I wasn't even given that responsibility because communicators just aren't don't have the position where they're supposed to take up much of people's time yeah uh, you know that and and that didn't change and i got involved in all sorts of conversations online or in conferences with people with communicators legitimately complaining about this you know yeah. it's not a we're not a post box it's not one way um, and and actually you can spend a lot of your time beating your head against a brick wall when things don't change and i don't and i'm not necessarily in internal comms professionally myself now as I was then. Yeah. But I didn't see much changing. And to be quite honest, it completely frustrated me. Um mm-hmm. and and this whole idea about misalignment being a kind of fog that we're wading around in. And the more complex it is and the more people there are um and the more diversity there is and the more change there is, the thicker this fog gets. Um, and people some people don't see it. That because it's think, just normal. It's like of being a frog in boiling water. It just gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah, and I just think, I think that's where we're at now. And that's I I I saw it because I was in a position where I felt that I that I I had to create clarity that I wasn't able to create.
0: Yeah, I think I think what you've what you've outlined there for me with my future of work hat on straight away, I'm honing in on um, the criticality of alignment. Um, when, you know, marketplaces and external environments are moving so fast, we have to move quickly for rapid market responsiveness. But we also need to be collaborating with one another effectively and sharing information, knowledge, wisdom, insights, et cetera, effectively. And also including, you know, the whole point about diversity of thought and inclusion we need as many people as we can garner to be aligned with one another and I think what you know what I see all day long um, is we think we make these big assumptions. We just assume. We assume all the time. We think we're listening. We're not listening. We think we know that we're all pulling in the right direction. We're not pulling in the right direction because we're we're not checking in with one another. So I think the point of your diagnostic tool is brilliant because it encourages that pause for thought and and I know that you and I, Lindsay, have talked about this over the last two years um as we've as we've learned more about each other's businesses. but actually, what I think you know is 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 really interesting is that um we're almost at this point, and I know I've said this before in previous episodes, where we need to go back to first principles with regards to communication because. Digital communication has disrupted so much, and we listen to this cultural narrative all the time that digital communication allows us to move faster. Well, pace isn't what we need, understanding is what we need. That's so critical. Um, and we can see what a failure to understand is leading to in our countries, in our societies, in our organisations, we're not stopping to check in with one another and it is leading us into really difficult, sticky territories, I would say.
1: Right, but I was originally describing this notion whereby you capture how people see things and you compare them to see where the common ground and differences are in order to get into a converse effectively into a conversation where misalignments were previously invisible and their court for could be revealed in a safe and anonymous way and dealt with. So that that's what we're calling the alignment process, let's say. And I would have called this a communication process because it is people learning from each other. I mean, you could also call it a learning process. But when I what what I find difficult, and I'd love to get your views on this, is that when I then Went to communication conferences in Europe, in mainland Europe, for example, and talked about this. The I, the the, ex, the expressions on people's faces were kind of blank, as if it was a really big challenge to the role, to the definition of the role of the communicator, and and maybe that's in part because we are, we are paid. In let's say we internal communicators are paid to do a job as defined by the people who are paying that salary, as according to those bosses. And if they want, if they basically see that the most efficient way of transmitting a message on a one-way basis is through media channels, and that I know that there's a lot changed in the last 20 years, but I think fundamentally people are still using that mental model of communications in companies. Um, then they don't want to hear communicators say, "Well, actually, um, there's something much, much more fundamental about communication that would make it much more effective and mitigate against the risk of misalignment, which is extremely costly." And that's a whole other question. Um, but I'm really wondering. So I've since moved away from this as being described as a communication process because it just wasn't getting much reaction, unfortunately. Um, and talking about it more as an organizational effectiveness process.
2: Mm-hmm. I think, Lindsay, you're making some <laughs> very very good points about communication. And you say that things have changed in the last 20 years. I'm not entirely sure they have all that much in terms of how p- different parts of the organization perceive the role of communicators. And, and going back to one of the things you said earlier, was, and I think many communicators would recognize this, is this banging your head against a brick wall, I think you said, of saying, I know that we should be doing this better and differently. And we don't get permission to do it all the time Uh, and I think one of the ways in which we can as communicators get permission is to use evidence so it would be great to draw upon your experience to give us some examples of um, how often projects get derailed because of misalignment or lack of communication perhaps or misunderstanding and if you can um, perhaps one or two examples without naming names of of the impact that's had.
1: Yeah, sure. I've got some data on, on alignment or misalignment, but I think it's important to say to start with that in order to be able to really use data to our advantage here, we'd ideally need a large organization with a hundred teams in the same situation where 50 of those teams, they use an alignment approach on and 50 of those teams, they do not. And then they see what the difference in performance is. Otherwise, we're still talking about. Um, let's say, organisational change as opposed to business change. So you can measure how people, how positive people are, how clear they feel about the strategy, um, how, how well that they they think that they're collaborating. But in terms of p- performance change and to compete with the kind of stats I'm about to give you, I've got kind of three key stats here, we'd really have to have alignment tested under those situations to be able to say, That the value of alignment is this, therefore, so that what we're competing against are these kind of statistics. Whereas, for example, in two thousand and thirteen, the Project Management Institute said that eleven percent of project spend is completely lost due to misalignment. In two thousand and fifteen. then uh, the Gross- Grossman Group said that 43% of an average knowledge worker's time is wasted on non-production, non-productive production non communication issues, trying to align. And then in 2017, McKinsey said that poorly aligned organizations have 50% lower returns on invested capital and 18% overall in EBITDA. So... Alignment isn't just some nice fluffy thing that I think, unfortunately, communicators might be tarred with the brush of talking about. Um, it is actually the fundamental basis of how people perceive and understand things that leads to the effectiveness of their decisions and actions. So, And that's where communicators go, right, because everybody knows that communication is really, really important, But when you're relegated to a role that talks about just taking one message from one place to another and hoping it lands and not being able to really measure something about that and trying to show relevance, we -hmm. get to this really weird stalemate that we're still in in 2022. So um, what I'd really like to see in terms of in reaction to those stats is to say, well, If you were able to go into an organisation and measure the percentage of project spend or measure the returns on capital invested on a large scale with an Mm -hmm. alignment intervention in the meantime, or or communication intervention using alignment, then you'd be able to say, this is why it's really important. And uh, until then, I don't think people are really listening.
2: I think that's great. Those statistics would would really help uh, give grist to the communicators mill, if I can use that expression, when it comes to having those conversations. is the one? That's an unfair question, really. But is the one example you can think of of a of a project which has been derailed and underachieved because of misalignment? We could probably think of some examples in our yeah, own UK actually. government, but uh, let's think of <laughs> examples, perhaps, which are less contentious.
1: Well, yeah. It, so I, I suppose because people don't go publicising these things, I can only talk from my personal experience. And in one of the organisations I was working in several years ago. Um, there was a, a change management team set up to manage um, the location of software licenses because they had to account for all of the software licenses across this glo- massive global organization um, as part of some new legislation. And they set up a team of 20 people and there was technology developed to discover where the softwares indeed were in all of the different countries around the world and what kind they were, and there were steering committees and a communication arm where where I was leading the change in communication piece. And uh, this went on for nine months at a cost of about $20 million, only for us to find out that there was another project team doing the same thing in a different part of the world, and it was axed. It was like, like, okay, we're meaningful then so that but there are cock-ups like that freaking everywhere all the time but people don't talk about it and that that's a big tangible example mm-hmm. but if you think about people just understanding the fundamental purpose of something big in mm-hmm. a slightly different way that they just don't get to actually recognize as a misalignment because they're both talking across purposes with each other or huge groups of people talking across purposes with each other and um, that will lead to a whole load of decision sanctions that don't line up, costing loads of extra work and loads of extra effort. And when discovered, loads of frustration that causes reten- um, uh, staff retention issues, if nothing else, on top of the performance issues. You get them mounting up every day with mm. multiple people in multiple groups on multiple topics in multiple organizations. The cost of misalignment is absolutely huge. I don't think anyone would dispute that when you really come to look at mm. at that fundamental piece. I, yeah, I, I think I'm just picking up what you're saying, Lindsay, and I think that you
3: know, there's so much of what you've said that just, just resonates with me in terms of going back to what you were saying earlier around fog, around interpretation, around understanding and, and actually at the IOIC, you know, we have for a number of years been campaigning that internal communication isn't about informity, it's one of our aspects. Our role is about connection. It's about purpose. And actually I think in one of our things we talk about, our job is to create mutual understanding. And I think that so that's something as the IOIC we we've talked a lot about and we've talked about the need many times about thinking about dialogue, conversation, how we're doing that. You know, and we're trying to understand much more about human behavior. We're trying to understand much more around how we design our communication to I guess, if you think of the change curve or how people respond to that or take people down that path. But I still, like you, worry we, particularly in the last couple of years, because of the situation we have been in, that we're still going towards an informity first policy as opposed to a dialogue first policy. And I also just, I, I worry that, and I see more, and I wonder, I want to get your perspective on whether I think we are becoming even more misaligned as organisations in this kind of fog I guess, that we now live in. And actually now we can't see each other every day if that's having a greater impact. But I also see many organisations now where you've got the change and transformation teams over here doing something. Then you're starting to take L&D and culture and engagement and you're actually really now starting to slice and dice this thing around knowledge and understanding to be multiple people's responsibilities. And therefore, do you think we are in a work, I guess, in a more dangerous place of continued misalignment or, or do you think actually because we're starting to, as a profession and an organisations, understand the need for connection, trying to reverse that? I'm just wondering what your, your views on that, because I think a lot of what you said just resonates with me.
1: Well, I personally think that we are in a place of more dangerous, increasing misalignment, not just because we're working virtually and people are unable to connect um, effectively, read each other's body language, take the time out to explore things, figure out why they might be feeling uncomfortable about something. Um, But it's just because of the pace of change. But Mm -hmm. as an optimist, I like to think this is actually going to play into our favor, because when people do start to be able to see the fog and start to get sick of it and think we've really got to do something about this, what I'd love to see is a much more integrated people and performance approach where organizational effectiveness, HR, communications and learning are more um, integrated around an approach for alignment. So... um, there's uh, there's some interesting research um, from um, Bush and Kenwood about conflicts in the workplace that basically say, and this was before the pandemic, that basically say that 80% of conflicts at work, work occur, and this is, plays into what you were saying, Kat, Kat about um, assumptions, they occur because of stories people make up about what's happening and why in their heads because things are not presented in a completely joined-up basis. We literally have to make assumptions to join the dots. But they, they make up those assumptions and then they use them as the basis of their actions. And um, apparently for, further research from Gwenny and Maxfield in 2019 say that people working virtually are two and a half times more likely to perceive mistrust and incompetence and broken commitments and report taking five to ten times longer to address those concerns. So that just goes to show in a dynamic, changing, diverse um virtual or hybrid workplace not only are we struggling to keep up with with who the hell is who because we've probably never met who we might be working with before um, but we're we're struggling with um uh, using technology to to break down those barriers and there's a lot about psychological safety um and about how that's how key that is for people to be able to open up so the process of alignment isn't just about understanding, as you say. It's also about behaviour, and that's why this inter- interdisciplinary approach is required. Because I think communicators have have segregated themselves off from behaviour in the past, because that was much more of the sort of HR field. But behaviour, the process of alignment, and and um, and uh, behaviours around in uh, around ha- group potency and task cohesion and, and psychological safety enable people to open up and learn from each other and align Mm.
0: so interesting you've just made me think about something I can't remember who I was having a conversation with definitely within the last month about how our brains process information and we we need to have boundaries like everything that we think about we need to mentally construct a boundary around what it is that we're thinking or doing because because a big picture is sometimes and often overwhelming and i think there's a really interesting interplay because if you think about the way in which organizations are conventionally structured actually we've reached this danger point of of and i'm making up a word i think maybe now like siloism, we're too siloed, you know, and and you end up in a situation where departments don't communicate effectively with one another. So when you said Lindsay, interdisciplinary, that really resonated with me. and 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 so we've got this we've got this juxtaposition going on, which is on the one hand, we have to break things down into bite-sized chunks in order to be able to process our sense making. Well, that's just a condition of the human brain. And yet, I'm just going to throw as a hand grenade into the conversation, a quote from a book that I started reading, um, which is uh, an American um, behavioral psychologist called Robert Sapolsky. And he uh, published a book called Behave in i think 2018 2019 and the quote that has really stuck out for me is he, and he wrote this in the opening pages if you pay lots of attention to where boundaries are you pay less attention to complete pictures and so for me i think you know um there's several things going on in 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 terms of the opportunity for internal communicators one is to teach You know if we're brave enough we can step up and teach our colleagues or remind our colleagues of the fundamentals of effective communication which is which is an elemental thing but actually i think we are at the point given the disruption that we have encountered from digital communication the internet mobile technology and so on and so forth to teach -teach, reteach relearn what effective communication consists of And then there's a second piece, which is within an organizational context, we need to do our work. We need to understand the boundaries of our scope of work. And yet in parallel, we need somebody within the organization to remind us of the big picture. There's a massive opportunity there for the internal communicator to consistently effectively remind the organisation at large what's our purpose what's our mission what are our values what's the vision all of those things that's almost like a perpetual reminder so it is this interplay isn't it between the big and the small picture and and then another piece which is that kind of almost yeah educational piece around how do we best communicate and what I have learned in the course of the last two years doing all the research for the institute to produce the papers on the future of work and so on is, is actually that there isn't that much literature on um on our human capacity for communication Dom I'm sure you might beg to differ on that, but I haven't found a massive amount of academic research that really dives deeply into our skill set, our human skill set for communication and, and how, you know, and, and basically the art and science of that. Uh, no, Sorry, uh,
2: ahead just, ahead. just briefly, I think... Most recently, um, I know the Institute, we've been doing work with uh, Dr. Amy Bradley about uh, her her book, The Human Moment, about the compassion, humanity, bringing in personality, bringing in behavior into how people connect with others at, at work. But uh, but no, there isn't a huge amount, I don't think, about that, that human capacity around communication. Unless, Lindsay, you may have come across other stuff uh, as well. I don't know. Um, but I think it's, it's a fairly scant field, perhaps an opportunity.
1: Well, I think it's all sitting in in the social sciences.
2: Mm. Um,
1: I can't say how much there is of it in general, but what I have read is that because meaning is constructed between people through language, the relevance of the big picture to each in unique team context, let's say, is a piece in itself. And um, the one thing about alignment is you cannot tell people to align. They have to make sense of things on their own terms, in their own ways, together. So you've got two things there. They have to make sense of it on their own terms, but they have to socialise it through language to make sense of it together. And in in a way, it might run against the grain of the internal communicator who who is being asked to tell people things a lot. But that's where we possibly come into the interdisciplinary approach because there's you da- absolutely need that broad context that the un, that the communicator can set that then perhaps potentially the learning professional or the facilitators um, in the OD or OE facilitators can use to work with different teams or leadership functions to understand how does that translate to what they're doing and do they all do that together? And I think people definitely need support. It doesn't happen naturally. Alignment isn't something that people go, oh, yes, okay, let's all be aligned anymore because it's too complicated these days. It's Mm. too, too, um, too fast. People are too much apart. So the the need for the communications piece in conjunction with um, the the facilitation of al- the alignment process, if you like, is, um, is absolutely key. So when we come back to what's the role of the, the communicator, maybe the role of the communicator doesn't change that much, but they just have to be plugged in in a way that really works then. Because if they're uh, yeah. just on their own, um, you know, telling a story that's, that's not going anywhere.
3: Yeah. No, I think I, I was just going to pick up and say I, I totally agree. I think that because there's lots of conversation, isn't there, around skill set. Does that change? Actually, you know, the skills are there and we need to perhaps just think about that balance. But it is about I do like this interdisciplinary. It is about being plugged in as a professional for an internal communicator. And I say this a lot. We need to be really plugged into every asset. But that does take also human capacity. Um, so organizations need to create that human capacity if they're going to to do that. Um, but I do like the optimism because I do think there is mass opportunity and I do believe organisations are looking at this with a new sense of seriousness, with a new sense of we're going through fundamental disruption, fundamental change. And actually, if we're going to achieve the ambitions and the needs that we need of our organisations, the targets and be competitive and keep our commerciality going, we need to to look at this with a fresh pair of eyes. So I absolutely agree that our skills have been there we have not we've been saying for decades that we're not just about informity we're not about a one-way communication we are about enabling dialogue meaning understanding um and that and it's about how do we glaze that over but I coming down to a sort of practical question as well from, a, from an internal communicator that perhaps is listening and going okay i get that that's great i can see my opportunity i need to be more plugged in i can help bring that broad broad range to it but how often then as, as communicators do we need to, I guess, check in with those we've communicated with or curated or facilitated or enabled to ensure that they've actually really understood um, what we intended or what we wanted them to understand? What does that alignment in practice, communication practice look like? How do we enable that and how do we, we, we make sure that happens and we, we're understanding their understanding?
0: Um,
1: I think understanding people's understanding is absolutely key because how can you message to people if you don't know what gap you need to fill or what um, content you need to share? Um, Asking people questions as we do every uh, three to six months helps people to gauge on that. I tend to shy away from the language of did they understand what we wanted them to understand? Because The way that they will understand something is far more sophisticated than the message that we're triggering which is the context around how will they implement strategy effectively and what that message means to them is is not possible for for anybody to know from team to team in one organization um, in its entirety because the people at the coalface are the ones who are who actually know well what does that how does that relate to us so all we could, all people can do is send a message that triggers a reaction of understanding their context in the way that they can implement it um but the reason um why i remain optimistic is because actually it will really only take let's say a communications leader so i think communication professionals are you know with are, are stuck in the confines of the 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 That they're given if you like to a certain extent there's a bit of influence there of course there is but it takes a communication leader to talk to other people and other leaders in the organization to build up a combined approach to putting alignment first as a means to engagement with engagement as an outcome because how can people possibly be engaged unless they are first aligned um i would say that if you have people aligned and you have those crunchy conversations where people are able to embrace different points of view and they are able to constructively challenge and support each other, which is the, the kind of behavioral side of the alignment process that, um, that helps with good facilitation, um, that good facilitation can help. Uh, then they are uh, more able to come to, a, uh, a a perspective that is useful. So, um, Altogether, if you've got leaders who are driving this forward and companies starting to experience what alignment looks like and talking about it, that's how things, new waves start. And so maybe in the future, I hope that what we'll be looking at is is a conference from IOIC in a few years' time talking about, um, isn't it amazing with this interdisciplinary approach that um, uh, the, the focus is on alignment for engagement and performance? So it's much closer to business results. And these can be measured in performance terms, as we said at the beginning, but also in how in feedback from people in how they are responding to questions that aren't just used to to inform leaders about what's going on, but actually used to play back to those people to say, this is how you're perceiving things. And this is how you can collectively manage change together. Well, I look forward to putting that conference together as well. I think you've just sold out my conference planning for the next few years. So thank you for
3: that, Lindsay.
2: <laughs> well, and also, as we're coming to close, it'd be great to start planning some of the content for that conference. So help us, Lindsay, with some fundamental principles. Everything works. Well, a lot of what we've talked about is, is starting to focus on the, on the leader, the line manager because they are best placed to do a lot of what you talked about. Establish common meaning, translate messages so people understand them, to have conversations and dialogue to reinforce that understanding and to check progress. So for internal communicators listening, um, from your experience, what are the sort of top three things that communicators can do to help those leaders to build that alignment and get that great performance that you've just been talking about?
1: Well, I think if communicators can talk to leaders about the relevance of meaning to performance, shared meaning for performance, and that messaging is just a is, is just an input to that. So the point isn't to get the message across. The point is to get the message in the conversation about what that means and how people will action it. So it's all about the relevance to effective action. And I think if communicators can start to couch communication relevant to performance, in those terms, it changes the conversation a little bit.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, because it's not what what is our purpose, it's or, or what is the strategy. It's how does this how does this what does the strategy mean for these different people in different ways? How can we find that out and how can we service that and support that, um, especially in these sort of hybrid times. Um, so it's talking about interpret how that people interpret things differently. It's talking about people the fact that people will inevitably have different views stemming from a message and that a generic message is just the starting point
2: mm-hmm.
1: of a communications process that is owned by people, not owned by the communication department.
2: So it's almost about the communication department, and these are my words, but it's about creating the environment in which people are best placed to understand what's going on, make sense of it, and do something with the information they're getting. Um, because and that, and part of that is equipping, equipping leaders, but it's also about, as you said earlier, understanding where people are at, what their issues are, and framing messages so that they link with people's issues and so people can make sense of them.
1: Yeah, and it would be easy to say, oh, but that's where we've been all along but actually it's different if you start talking about needing a coordinated approach from multiple support departments yeah. to look at what that really means in practice in today in your own environment rather than oh well it's about what people do with me- what the meaning of messages you know hmm. so trying not to simplify something right down to something that always was um but reframe it in in something that looks at a, a whole value chain of which messaging is just the beginning
2: yes i see so in other words, communicators have got a a great opportunity now to coordinate their colleagues, as you said, in other departments to have a holistic. i hate to use that word, but a general overall view of 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 how we get messages across, what they mean, how they look. It's not just down to communicators.
1: Yes, and it's got to work because I've invent I've invested five years of my time in in all of this. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: so uh, you know, let let there. Let's Your idea, you know, I know that sounds like we're getting we're running away with ourselves, but the idea of a conference, I mean, for me, looking at the future of work all day every day, this is a topic that needs far more exploration not exploration, but um conversation. We need to be talking more about it because it's 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 so elemental to organizational success outcomes. That's all there is, really. We need to figure out collectively how we navigate through the next 10 years. And we can only do that when we are effectively able to communicate and collaborate together. So I think this is a topic. I don't know whether you agree, Jen and Dom, but I think we'll be revisiting this topic. Yeah. yeah. Time I'm to time
3: spinning, again. Head spinning, a, spinning with a good idea. Right. So now. <laughs>
0: Well, I think we're coming in to land, aren't we? We've, 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 we've literally kind of run out of time, but it has been absolutely illuminating. Um, and I've certainly taken copious amounts of notes. And thank you so much, Lindsay, for sharing your time with us today and, and, and for giving us a bit more of a, um, a deep dive into the topic. And um, for everybody listening today, I think we will be coming back to the topic of alignment in in other ways as we move forward into 2022 um because there's a massive opportunity massive opportunity for the internal comms profession here and you know it's it it's our goal isn't that to to kind of help members and non-members come and join us um to leverage the leverage the opportunity because i can't see how organisations will survive without nailing the way that they communicate internally in the 2020s.
1: Thank you very much. It's
0: been a real pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity.
3: You're very Thank welcome. you,
0: Thanks. Thanks. We'll see you all next time
3: thanks for listening today. This episode has been brought to you by the Institute of Internal Communication and was hosted by myself, Jen Sproul, Kat Barnard and Dominic Walters. This episode was produced by Jessica Williams and Shabita Luogunpalu. And if you enjoyed this episode today, we'd be enormously grateful if you could rate, review and subscribe on the channel you use to tune in to help others know that we're here. Hopefully you'll tune in again next time.